Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Storm Glory. This is Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. All right, we have a lot to talk about. New tech launched, some of it being very important, others being very interesting, and a, and a good chunk of it being very out of nowhere. No joke, we had a very big speculatory piece come out about Apple launching new tech. And then the very next day, Apple just released it. Just incredibly unceremonious. There's no event, no nothing. It's just there. Fun. Done. But first, I want to talk about the YouTube scandal. And by scandal, I mean they're increasing their prices. So for those who don't know, YouTube has a premium tier. You can, in fact, sign up for YouTube. I think that it's just called YouTube Premium now. It's gone through several other names, including YouTube Red, YouTube Just Give Us Some Money, and YouTube probably something else that I completely forgot about. I'm pretty certain those last two I just mentioned are things I made up. There's a decent chance that's not, though. But I'm pretty sure now it's just called YouTube Premium. What YouTube Premium does is that it gives you a viewing experience on YouTube with no ads. Unless something glitches, then you get ads. But otherwise... You just don't view ads and the content creators get a small cut of revenue that would be actually slightly more than if you did watch ads out of that out of that premium fee. There's also contemplations about adding other features to this thing as well. One of which that was just recently being experimented with was making it so that if you want to watch 4K video or higher, you need to be a premium member, which honestly, I personally think is fine. I know it sucks because you've been doing it now for free, just ad supported, but let's be perfectly honest. That's a lot of data. It really is. And quite frankly, unless it's a YouTuber, you know, invests a colossal amount of money into their gear. The 4k content you're going to be getting on them is going to be hot garbage anyway. Like unless they know what they're doing, unless they're like an MKBHD, unless they're a Linus tech tips, Unless they're at a real studio, the quality is going to be not great at 4K or even 8K or 16K. Can you even upload 16K to YouTube? You really shouldn't, though. It's just a shame that while YouTube is experimenting with this concept, they went ahead and increased the prices of the family plans. In the U.S., it is going to be going up from $17.99 per month, which allows six users to share the premium account, to $23.00 dollars a month other countries are also seeing very similar price hikes as well some being lower some being higher now personally i don't do this as of yet right now the ad experience on youtube is one that i'm willing to tolerate i'm not going to go into why i can tolerate it because that goes into a weird gray area but i digress but i mean honestly this isn't that surprising it bites that it's a whole five dollars which is a significant percentage-wise increase over what it was, but I kind of get it. I kind of get why they're doing it, because the cost of running everything right now is just going up, thanks to the nature of inflation, plus every other bit of chaotic nonsense in the world right now. So it bites, but, you know, it just is what it is. So in the end, what can we do? What can we do? At least on YouTube, though, you'll have plenty of other gaming channels to go ahead and enjoy. 
And quite frankly, if you were a fan of the G4 TV network, you're going to have to start going over to YouTube because G4 is now just very suddenly and abruptly dead again. Again. Look, I'm not going to lie. I didn't watch the reboot of G4. I've seen like little bits and little small shows that were on G4 before, but for the most part, I got not a whole lot to say for them. It's kind of a shame that it was killed again, but considering the fact that apparently a a number of the hosts were trying to push crypto nonsense, I'm not surprised that it was killed in the least. Can you think of anything that would be more toxic for your gamer-focused network than to talk about the one topic that is preventing PC gamers from being able to PC game? Yeah, it's kind of hard to say. Someone in chat is asking, is G4 Tech TV okay? I don't know. I assume not. Uh, It looks like they're only on YouTube now. Yeah, G4 still apparently is around on Twitch and YouTube. I don't know about the tech division. Now, I want to say that the plug has been pulled. I don't know how long it's going to be until the content is replaced. I think what's more interesting to me is that uh, the communication was so bad that the staff found out via Twitter. Yeah, major hosts and employees of G4 found out, oh, hey, by the way, we're shutting down. Whoops. I can't imagine that. I can't imagine that just because... Far too often, whenever there's any kind of layoffs or anything, the bosses I have worked for have always had the common courtesy to tell it to my face. But what can you do? Someone in chat said there was also a free Pluto TV version of G4. Um, real talk though, most of what Pluto TV has are old reruns. Like, you know what Pluto TV is great for? Pluto TV, Pluto TV, if you don't know, is a free app you can get online or on your phone. And it's just basically like standard over-the-air television, but their own channels. However, all their own channels is like 99.9 forever percent old reruns, which honestly, because I actually use Pluto TV myself. You know what I use it for? Something to fall asleep to. Like no joke. It is great white noise. It is fantastic. I don't mean that as any kind of like disrespect to the service at all. It is just absolutely fantastic for that sort of thing. Someone in chat sa- says they, they like the 1980s pr- prices, right? I haven't checked out the, um, I haven't checked out the uh, 1980s prices, right? $6,000 cars, dude, you know what a $6,000 car nowadays would get you? <laughs> It'd get you the beater I'm driving right now that's leaking transmission fluid. We. <laughs> Someone in chat said a, cu- a couple of seats without airbags. That would six, that's what six grand would get you. I don't know. I'm pretty sure you can get a decent couch for, for less than six grand. Anyway, let's actually get back to the podcast. Let's actually talk about how uh, TikTok has reportedly been collecting location information to track U.S. users. I mean, who's surprised, right? Who is surprised by the fact that this is going on? No one? You know what's more shocking, though? There's someone in chat saying they're shocked. What's more shocking is, is uh, TikTok is dumb enough to deny this. And the language they use is very, very specific. TikTok, owned by a Chinese firm ByteDance, on Friday denied that, that it used 
specific location data to track certain U.S. individuals. TikTok does not collect precise GPS location information from U.S. users, meaning TikTok could not monitor U.S. users in the way the article suggests, said TikTok. Now, the article, for- unfortunately, is from Forbes, and I don't have access to get behind the Forbes paywall, but I'll just tell you this, my- this much right now. Um, Forbes never mentioned GPS locations. Forbes never mentioned GPS coordinates once. They said the method they're using is based on IP locations as well as general area of where they're from using various information off the phone. But let's also be perfectly honest here for a minute. Would you be surprised at all if TikTok was collecting your exact GPS locations every time you use the app? I wouldn't. I don't think anyone would be. No, we don't do that. We don't do that. We don't track information like that. I think TikTok would be the only one. I'm fairly certain literally everyone else does. Literally, literally everyone else. But now you'd think that that would be the shocking social media news of the week. Oh, no, 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 no. Not even close. No, surprisingly, seemingly out of complete left field or right field, depending on who you believe, or we'll just call, how about Westfield? Completely out of Westfield, Kanye West, who was apparently now known, known as Ye at some point, is going to buy Parlor, the Twitter clone that can't really get a... Parlor's just in like this limbo space, man. Like, I'll be honest, like trying to take the political angle out of Parlor is very rough. And just like the user experience on Parlor, in my opinion, is just, it's not good. Like, take the community out of the equation with Parler, and it's mediocre at best. Now, put that community f- figure back in, because I pr- I'm pretty sure you'd just end up with a hollow husk with, without that uh, community element in, in there at all. Like, I haven't been there in forever, and quite frankly, uh, I don't miss it at all. So, I mean, you go do whatever the heck you're doing the artist formerly known as Kanye West, who is apparently now known as Ye, which is apparently pronounced Ye, but that's not how Ye is spelled, so it's going to be Ye, or it's going to be Kanye West, because I think this whole thing is just absolute bollocks. This entire story just, it, it felt like I woke up one morning and got slapped in the face by a trout. That's how this story hit. Just out of nowhere, waking up, enjoy, enjoying my morning tea, and just wham! Right across the face with a flopping trout. And yes, I'm using an article from The Verge. And The Verge site is still ugly as sin. You know what, though? I will give Parler one bit of credit. Here's here's the one bit of credit. And it's now very obvious now that I'm not considering previous comments. At least the Parler site is easier to navigate than The Verge's site. There, I gave you something positive, Parler. It's going to be about all I can give you, most likely. I, I just can't even. But, you know, I say that is about the only positive thing I can give Parler, because, of course, one of the things that came out about the um, the acquisition of Parler is the fact that someone, when communicating this within the organization, accidentally CC'd everyone's internal emails 
instead of be CC'd when spreading the news around, which means every important email within the organization just got doxxed. Slow freaking clap. Incredible. Simply incredible. I have no words on just how, how do you mess this up? <laughs> You're running a social media platform. How do you, <laughs> come on, man. Come on. This could have easily been avoided if you used your own internal messaging system built into your social media platform too. Uh... Someone in chat asked, how does Facebook mess it up? Well, Facebook messes it up by being run by a lizard person. Uh, Parler messes up because I don't know. At least if Parler is run by lizard people, at least they're not dumb enough to uh, to put their, their lizard person leader front and center like Facebook does. Granted, the, the way Parler just seems... Parler seems less like sinister, incompetent, and just more general incompetent with the way they run themselves. If anything I just said makes any flavor of sense, which it probably doesn't, but at least you can trust that I'm not a lizard person. Speaking of lizard people, Amazon is facing a 900 million, I think pound. I'm now blanking on my international currency symbols. I'm fairly certain that's the British pound. The $900 million or 900 million British pound lawsuit. All right, it is pound. Okay, I was correct. For quote, pushing customers to pay more. I don't think these, let me just tell you something. Whoever is pushing this lawsuit should absolutely not under any circumstances go to a used car lot at all. Because if trying to encourage you to go ahead and, uh, get an extra power cord to go with your power adapter is considered a lawsuit for pushing customers to pay more. Oh boy. They are in for a treat. We'll, we'll say a treat if they ever went to a used car lot in the US or in the UK. I can't imagine used car lots are much better across the pond. Maybe that's going to be the, the culture shock that really gets me. Finding out that used car lots across the pond are actually like decent people. That would be the one way to catch everyone off guard. So what they're trying to go ahead and say is that the complaint is in regards to the company's buy box feature, which artificially promotes certain items above the rest in response to user searches. So basically using an algorithm to go ahead and push certain products above others. Someone in chat says prices in the UK weren't weren't that bad for economy cars. They looked five years ago. I mean, of course, I mean, if Top Gear has taught me anything, it's that the UK has the best economy car ever, the Dacia Sandero, which you then promptly ignore and then move on to another vehicle. That's, that's all I know about UK cars. That may sit in the wrong seat. In any, in any case, if this is the basis of uh, the lawsuit, that the search box is the sole reason for this lawsuit that the algorithm is pushing a higher price product before a cheaper one. I hate to break it to them, but they're, they're not, I don't know if they're going to get very far with that. If anything, if they want to actually push a lawsuit, that's going to have some legs in the UK, you know what you do? You point out the fact that the first item result that comes up whenever you search anything 
is an Amazon Basics product. That Amazon is pushing their own products before their competition, which I know is against UK or at least EU trade laws. I don't know about the UK because they said they're going to break away from the EU and then I don't know if they ever went through with it. I don't think they have yet, but um, apparently their prime minister went ahead and achieved a new speedrun record for uh, exiting. And I, I'm not going to lie. I, um, I don't know exactly what's going on across, this, across the pond in that sort of regard, but there have been a lot of memes about it. But I digress. Someone in chat said that Amazon Basics are in the top 10 results, specially marked, but not always first. Okay, so they had to go and tweak their, their lawsuit there. I got a feeling that um, this lawsuit's not going to go very far, only because of this crazy thing called you can sort the Amazon site by lowest price to highest price. If the whole basis is strictly on the cheapest price isn't first, that's irrelevant because you can make it first. Now, if you go ahead, sort it lowest to highest, and a recommended product that is not the lowest is first, that's another story. But the way this whole thing sounds, this sounds irrelevant. Someone in chat says ads neglect that sort of sorting. Ads, though, are clearly marked, though. They're clearly marked here in the U.S., and I imagine in the EU, if they're already doing tweaks, like uh, making sure their Amazon Basics items are clearly marked, they're doing additional steps to make sure ads are also clearly marked. Maybe they're not, and that's actually where this lawsuit's going. I have a hard time believing that, just because Amazon has been under the microscope for a long long time across the pond for exactly that kind of nonsense but in the end all we can do is wait and see how that goes but on that same kind of concept um amazon is getting into home insurance over in the uk <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah this 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 can only end well right so apparently this whole thing is specifically to protect items you have bought in the home in case of defects. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Um, I wouldn't. I mean, I already have a low opinion of a lot of insurance companies because a lot of insurance companies say, we'll go ahead and do this, that, and the other thing. And then they look for any excuse under the sun to just not do the one thing that you pay them money to do. Big shout out to the motorcycle with a fart can attached to it that you didn't hear because it wasn't loud enough to be picked up by the microphone, but was loud enough to distract me. But I digress. I just don't know. Just, just don't. I, I, I don't trust Amazon to do this sort of thing. So the last thing I need to do is to watch my home burn down and then leave for the insurance company to come in and then see an Amazon house with all my products replaced with Amazon devices. <laughs> Oh boy, my, my uh, Corsair keyboard's replaced with an Amazon Basics keyboard. I just foresee so many oddball problems that, um, yeah. Someone in chat says, if you're unregulated Amazon products, burn your house down. Home insurance will protect you, unlike Amazon. That actually might be one of the reasons why Amazon is going into the, the home insurance business. Specifically because of this kind of stuff. That they just have so many sketchy vendors on their website just going ahead and go like yeah just 
whatevs. We'll go ahead and put put out a uh, an electric cable that's made of wood. What could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? It's it's gonna be fun and sunshine, right? Right? It's gonna be great. It's great. We're gonna take our first break here. When we come back, I want to talk about USB four and its new spec as well as DisplayPort having a new spec and AMD versus NVIDIA versus Intel and where we all stand in the grand scheme of things. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so USB, the new standard is out. And admittedly, the new standard has a better name than it did in the promotion phase. The new USB standard is called USB 4, 80 gigabits per second spec. Okay, look. As far as like naming convenience goes, I would rank this like say two or like a three out of ten, but that's still better than the one out of ten USB 4.0 version two got. At least this gives you information. That means just just call it freaking 4.1. That's that's all you had to do, man. It's it's all you have it's all you have to do that's it you don't have to go freaking oh man it's the 80 gigabits per second with 240 watt power delivery port (sighs) the speed is crazy though 80 gigabits per second that's 10 gigabytes per second gigabytes you want to know how you can tell the difference between the the computer vets and the newbies the ones going, wait, 10 gigabytes per second over USB? That's insane. And all the newbies are like, whatever. My games are like 60 of those nowadays. Gigabytes aren't that big. Gigabytes are enormous. We're just, everything else is just getting that much bigger. It's insane. Now, of course, 10 gigabytes per second assumes that your computer is fast enough to do that and that the storage device you are transferring to via USB... 4.060 or 80 gigabit gigabit per second spec is capable of doing that. Someone in chat says 640 kilobits is is plenty. It's not, by the way. It, it it's not old timer. Good try though. Good try. But that is the new spec, complete with badges that say whether it's charging capable or not. Have fun with that. That's pretty much all I can say about it. In the meantime, the rest of us are going to be like, well, I can't wait to see what what uh, USB 4.1 gives us. Zona Chat says that's roughly 15 or so full data CDs a second. That is too full. That is a full dual layer data DVD a second. And you can get a whole OS on that. It was crazy how much that you can get on dual layer DVD. I just heard my roommate walk in. They, they have no idea how big it, how big that is. Like like this this speed per second is insane. Literally insane. 
Someone in chat said, hey, did anyone else notice that Persona 5 Royale dropped on both Switch and Steam as of yesterday? So I knew it dropped on Steam. I think on Switch, though, I want to say, and I could be wrong, that it's a cloud game only. I might be misremembering. In fact, actually, I'm going to go check this right now. On the bright side, the Nintendo store does require me to confirm my age when it comes to looking at Persona 5 Royale. Because, I mean, come on, it's a game about mass superheroes. How much more kid-friendly could you get? <clears throat> yeah, by the way, uh, not kid-friendly, by the way. It goes into some pretty hard topics pretty quick. Just a fair warning. It is the full game. I have confirmed. A number of people also have confirmed in the chat. But I wanted to confirm at, as well. Okay. So the info I heard at first was incorrect, which is good. Sona chat says it teaches kids about healthy sleeping hazards. Oh, bedtime cat. Why? Why you do this to me? Curse the bedtime cat. All right, shifting gears radically because we have no better way to, sw to switch out of this nonsense. Um, we now have the USB display port, or I'm sorry, the USB display port. The DisplayPort 2.1 specification. Someone in chat says, yeah, interesting how both Nier Automata and Persona 5 Royale have been getting excellent reviews considering the way they play. They play better than most ports as of late. I am actually legitimately surprised Nier Automata is playing as well as it does apparently on the Switch. Here's the thing. When Nier Automata first came out, yeah, welcome, welcome to uh, podcasting with my ADHD. When Nier Automata first came out, it launched on the PS4 and PC. The PC port was awful to the point of almost being unplayable. Like it was a terrible port. The PS4 port, buttery smooth, fantastic. But considering the fact that it required PS4 hardware and the Switch doesn't even come close to the level of hardware that the, that the PS4 has, I had a bad feeling about the way it was going to perform on the Switch. It being a port to a non-native system, one that uses a radically different architecture in the way of ARM as opposed to x86, which is what the PS4 uses. And well, porting from x86 to another x86 platform went terribly for Nier at first. To see so many people say it plays beautifully on the Switch is impressive. Whatever they figured out for uh, porting stuff to the Switch worlds better than their ability to port to the PC. Worlds better. Anyway, DisplayPort 2.1. It is now out, and for the most part, it is just a spec above... It's just like a hint above what 2.0 is capable of, including more frame rates for 4K, is basically what it's including, as well as supporting higher-speed USB hubs over the DisplayPort cable. Someone in chat says, don't worry, they actually patched it. I'm assuming they meant the uh, PC version, and that I'm not surprised. I am still more surprised that it's still launched in the absolutely terrible state that it was in before, and it took them an eternity to actually really, truly, effectively patch it. But, you know, it is what it is. So as far as the display port goes, this is, you know, interesting. It's interesting that we're getting a new display port standard, it's also interesting that now this makes the new RTX 40 series two, count them, two display port standards behind. Let that sink in for a minute. 
You spent just shy of $2,000 on an RTX 4090, and you are two DisplayPort standards behind. Who are you, Apple? It's kind of crazy that they're going to let that slide through all this. Now, fortunately, if you are going to be using the new standard, you will not have to worry about compatibility. All USB 2 or USB DisplayPort 2.0 products are going to be DisplayPort 1. or 2.1 compatible. I don't think I have said this standard once correctly so far. I think I've had to correct it every single freaking time. <sighs> Just losing my mind. Nothing out of the ordinary here. So at least we have that backwards compatibility to go, go on if you're looking to try and use the new standard. Now, fortunately, if we're trying to wait for the new Radeon 7000 series, or whatever the heck they're going to call it, rumors are saying that, in fact, there is a decent chance that they will support 2.0 or 2.1, according to some rumors and reports. That's my personal favorite. You're not sure if it's a rumor. You're not sure if it's a report. It's somewhere in between, but it's ready for you. Honestly, I'd say it's the better way to go, especially since Radeon still has a lot to catch up on. The RX 6000 series from AMD was good. It definitely showed signs of life, which it desperately needed. This next generation is going to say a lot and to already support a standard that is just kind of being meh and ignored. It's good to see AMD being ready to actually be, catch up with the times. Now that also being said, we have some awkwardness because of course we do. Why wouldn't we? This awkwardness comes at, at the, uh, the cost of all the RTX 4090 pricings starting to like try to slowly creep up. Whoops. That's a little awkward, isn't it? In fact, MSI raised its price of its RTX 4090 uh, water-cooled edition by $185 in less than a week before being shamed to reduce the price back down to something, oh, I don't know, normal? Yikes. Grade A complete yikes. Good job. Good job, MSI. And this... And they're not the only one, but they are the most egregious uh, cause of this sort of thing. So to see them getting called out and to see them have to backpedal it is a good sign. And heck, we already successfully got uh, NVIDIA to kill the obnoxious little uh, release of the 3080, but also the 3080, which is not the 3080, and more of a 3080 minus. Ugh. How much you want to bet that the 3080 12 gig edition was the last straw that just made EVGA go, that's it, we're out. Like the moment they got that memo that they're going to be making that, they're just like, all right, we're done. We're not going to be dragged down by NVIDIA's nonsense. Because I'm willing to bet that's exactly what happened. Would you doubt it? I'm not saying it's the only reason, but I'm saying that it's probably the last straw. Because by the sound of what the report is, and I have no reason to doubt EVGA, mind you. There's a lot of factors that led up to this, but I'm willing to bet that was the last straw. Someone in chat doubts it. I don't know, man. But in any case, I'm not gonna lie, I do also miss EVGA. But what can we do? 
What can we do? By the way, the reviews for Intel's Raptor Lake uh, is out, and um, wow, that's this that's that's all I gotta say about this thing. Wow, holy cow! I am actually surprised. So Intel's new Raptor Lake, this would be 13th gen, is faster. It is hotter. But here is the shocking thing: not only is it faster than AMD's Zen 4 in most gaming workloads, not all, but most, but it's cheaper. I'm actually legitimately surprised by this. If I told you five years ago that Intel will eventually be the budget and performance king at the same time, would you believe me? No, no, you wouldn't. I wouldn't believe me either. But this problem comes on a number of different, uh, there's a number of things that led to this. We'll phrase it that way. All right. Raptor Lake is a refinement of their previous generation, which is some other lake that I really don't care about what the name is. All right. So it's already using an existing architecture, but refining it a bit more. In addition, the main reason why it is the budget king is first off, it's beaten AMD by like not that much, like 10, 20 bucks across the board. But because they are not requiring PCI Express Gen 5 and DDR5 on the boards, the cost of entry is now also noticeably lower. Like you're talking using an Intel platform versus an AMD platform at the same tier on the newest ones, saving over $100 going Intel over AMD just because you're not on DDR5 and you can get away with older components. That is a big deal. Now, does this mean you should go run out right now while you're playing your PC and go ahead and just dive in head first into Raptor Lake? Hold on, hold on. There's a couple of things that's kind of the elephant in the room. First off, AMD still has the 5800X3D. At least I'm fairly certain that's what the num model number is. I don't actually have it in front of me off the top of my head. But that unit, because of very little, th very minor things it did to itself ends up being a very efficient gaming CPU. That kind of technology is not in Zen, than in AMD's Zen 4 right now. It's not there. So we could see some Zen 4s coming out down the road that do have that 3D cache technology that the, that the 5800X3D has. That could take back the crown right there. Here's the other thing. If you were to go out and just dive headfirst into the new Raptor Lake platform, you have no future path to upgrade. Whatever the next series is going to be, whatever lake it's named after, maybe they'll finally call it something that's not a lake, who knows, it will be on a brand new socket. That motherboard you're, you'd be using for Raptor Lake has no future. Zen 4, on the other hand, at least would be able to handle the very next CPU. Most likely it would handle a few more generations after this initial 7000 series. I'm only basing this on the history of AMD and the fact that their latest Ryzen, their, the Ryzen generation before this one lasted an absurdly long time and they had excellent support from generation to generation. There's no guarantee in that. They could go ahead and alter the deal and you'll just be left praying they don't alter it further. That is still a possibility. So do you go AMD 
not have a whole lot of performance right not not have the highest end performance right now but have a future upgrade path down the road or do you go intel which is the king right now but know that if you ever want to upgrade you're changing a lot of components that is kind of the question you're asking asking yourself right now and either even then i would wait because amd is gonna have to respond to this by either a reducing the price of the current uh, Ryzen 7000 series, or B, introducing new Ry Ryzen CPUs with 3DV cache, like someone in the chat just said, which is the actual terminology that I've been stumbling for, which uh, we're expecting to see until February, according to person in chat. I have no reason to doubt them. Actually, what I expect to see is them to announce it during CES, which may or may not actually be a thing that people see in person, and then it launch a month later. It's about what I would expect, but that's just raw speculation. Yeah, someone else, someone in chat says, hey, remember the, the STRX 40 socket? Because they do. Yeah. Yeah. And the Ryzen processor, in the uh, Threadripper processors, I mean, uh, one socket got replaced extremely quickly, and it was uh, very painful. Someone in chat says, I honestly don't think AMD has to do anything to respond to it. I think they do, because right now, on every metric, they lose. They lose in the heat efficiency gain game because of the way they designed the CPU. They lose in the price-to-performance fight. Intel has them beat there, and they beat in the performance bracket. Like, Intel has taken every single performance desktop crown from AMD without going into the enthusiast or workstation market. The only people that are gonna buy Zen 4 right now are going to be people who are choosing Zen 4 because of the promise of future right now. Okay, someone in chat does have a very good point. Uh, it, Intel does have another crown. They definitely have the, uh, they definitely have the power consumption crown from uh, Zen 4 on idle is four to five times that of Intel. Yikes. Now, a lot of that also has to do with the fact that Intel is on a big little architecture. You have those efficiency cores you can go ahead and run in low power states and get your power consumption way lower. AMD doesn't have big little yet. They just have uh, multi-core chiplet designs. Now, I still wouldn't upgrade. I wouldn't. Because as I mentioned, you still have Zen 4 with, as we said, 3D cache, Or is it V3D cache? I can't remember. That technology that made the 5800X3D such an insane gaming performance powerhouse. You introduce that to Ryzen 7000, I think AMD will take the performance crown back. But that is just pure speculation. What I can say for certain is get the popcorn. Because this fight has only just begun. But now there's also this elephant in the room as well, if you're looking to uh, figure out which CPU is for you. The fact that Windows 11 is a little turd. Windows 11 update 22H2 is causing performance issues on AMD Ryzen 7000 CPUs. Again. Who's surprised? Who, who's actually surprised by this? Windows 11 just like does not play nice with AMD. It just doesn't. It's it's like it's like Windows 11 is just the fun police. Just going in and trying to like sucker punch any kind of fun we're having at the moment. 
just to get on our nerves. Well, good job. Good job, Windows. You did it. You got on our nerves. Congratulations. You're a winner. Now, here's something that is a little concerning as far as AMD goes. Reports are saying that AMD is lowering the Ryzen 7000 production plan because they're expecting a PC market decline. Here's the real question though. Is there a PC market decline or is there something else going on? It wouldn't surprise me at all if there's a decline in the PC market between the state of the economy right now looking uh, grim, we'll just say that much, and the fact that thanks to the virus TM, a whole lot of people were forced to go buy computers. So now any sort of upgrades they would have done on a regular schedule have now been thrown out of whack. It also doesn't help that the Ryzen 7000 series is a whole brand new platform. So there's a higher cost to get into this platform than anything else. And of course, if you go in and just get Windows 11 right away, well, bad news for you. As we just mentioned, you take a performance hit. Yay, thanks. I hate it. How fantastic. But what can you do? What can you do? We're going to take a break here. When we come back, Google is making some very interesting decisions after killing Stadia. And Microsoft has some other plans to everything. And so does Razer. Razer has some uh, interesting plans. We'll just call them that. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. A new report shows that Google is deciding to, quote, double down on creating new hardware and cutting support to its software solutions like Google Assistant. This is kind of leaning more towards the what's going to make us more money. Because Google Assistant, let's be perfectly honest, you're investing a lot of R&D and your payoff on that is going to be either nothing or massive. One of the two, nothing in between. And considering the fact that more and more often the smart assistant game is kind of falling out of favor with everyone, it's not too surprising that Google wants to cut away from it, despite the fact that Google has arguably the best assistant in the market. You don't believe me? Who does it better? Amazon and their inability to integrate anything with anyone else? Apple and their ability to have Siri not hear half the things you say. Samsung and their ability to trip over their own shoelace. (laughs) Is there anyone on the planet that uses Bixby unironically? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, I don't think so. The Google Assistant or the, the Assistant game is kind of falling out of favor. It's rather interesting. Someone in chat has to use what? Maybe I should actually explain what Bixby is for those who don't know. Um, Bixby is Samsung's digital assistant. It's awful. Don't, don't use Bixby. Even Samsung phone users find every way to disable every way to access Bixby possible. I get, I, I mean, I'm, I'm heavy in the, in the, uh, in the Samsung ecosystem and I have Bixby turned off on everything. 
Someone in chat asked, wait, is that the anime waifu girl? No, that was someone else. That was, uh, that was actually a weird one. So Samsung Sam, which was an anime girl, like persona that went very viral, very quickly was never an official mascot of Samsung. It was pitched by an advertising firm to Samsung for a marketing idea. It then leaked out and then went viral very very viral very very quickly and about one day into samsung sam going absolutely viral and a grotesque amount of porn being made of samsung sam uh, samsung decided to not go with the mascot most likely because they thought that rule 34 was a good thing and then they looked up what it meant and then shunned the idea or you know they might have just saw the fact that this advertising agency leaked out their creation and felt that they were very unprofessional and decided not to work with them. We don't know. I'm willing to bet it's something closer to the latter, to be perfectly honest. But that is the story of Samsung Sam. Was never actually a marketing ploy by Samsung. But back to the point. Uh, Bixby has no face other than like wisps or something. But Google doubling down on Pixel hardware versus their software. Google's in a weird spot because they always feel to be hit and miss when it comes to their software. For example, the core functions of YouTube are great. The live functions are of uh, YouTube Live are jank. You, uh, Gmail is fantastic. Google Docs works really well. Stadia was jank AF and then dead. Google Music is jank, and then gone, and replaced with YouTube Music, which is also jank. There's also just the elephant in the room, like with Stadia, that Google is very quick to kill projects. I mean, heck, we have how many services right now from Google that are just called Google Messenger? Like, I want to say at least two. There might be a third roaming out there, but you get my point. It's nuts. It's stupid. It is just obnoxious the way it's all going down. But now, what about hardware? Well, despite the fact that Google makes both the software and the hardware for the Pixel phones, the latest batch of Pixel phones were decent at camera option of, of taking pictures, although sometimes very strange how they did it. But then also somehow, despite the fact they control both the hardware and the software, have very unacceptable bugs like the fact that if you dial 911 it puts the phone in an emergency mode that cannot dial 911 because that's something i want on my cell phone the inability to dial to emergency services and the worst part is that's not the first time sort of bugs like that have happened even then the pixel 6 we recently had actually performance wise was worse than the than the previous generation pixel device because they went ahead and used their own silicon for whatever reason google just continues to make these very strange decisions on the hardware side that just don't make a whole lot of sense and end up making a worse product for the user i mean heck how's the pixel laptop doing you know that high cost chromebook all right nobody bought it because it was a terrible idea. But I mean, their, their hardware division has amazing timing, though. Great timing. 
like when they launched gaming Chromebooks three days after they killed Stadia, which by the way, the gaming Chromebooks were built to only run cloud gaming. Bravo, bravo, amazing. 10 out of 10, good job. The leadership at Google seems sloppy to say the least. Their hardware division is nowhere near as good as they think it is, but who knows? Maybe this latest generation of Pixel devices will prove me wrong. Maybe it'll be something that will just wow us, amaze us in ways we never thought possible. I mean, would it be all that surprising if it did? Actually, yes. Yes, it would be. It would be extremely surprising considering the fact that, uh, yeah, not a good track record recently. Also, who the heck makes a smart speaker without an audio out? Seriously, who does that? It's weird. Do you want to get into the smart home game or not, Google? You need to make up your mind. And Microsoft needs to make up their mind as well, for they have plans now to get into the best marketplace, the mobile marketplace. Ah, yes, that's what we need. We, uh, we need a Microsoft Xbox mobile store to compete directly with Apple and Google. So the thought process here is that since they feel pretty confident that in fact, the way the courts are going, that Apple and Google will be forced to allow other marketplaces on iOS and Android, that Microsoft can op open a Xbox mobile storefront and sell their mobile games on there which their catalog's about to get very, very toxic because since they're trying to buy, you know, Activision Blizzard King, the King portion of that having some of the um, worst games to blight the planet, <sighs> like Clash of Clans and other games from Supercell. You wonder why I hate the mobile marketplace. You wonder, at least on the PC and the console marketplace, I can find games that aren't actively trying to hurt me that aren't actively trying to squeeze me like a fresh orange for all the sweet sweet dollars that's in my pulp like the mobile marketplace does i swear half the reason a lot of mobile gaming channels start on youtube is just to try and collect ad money so i can go ahead and feed the endless cycle of predatory addiction that was generated by them getting into mobile gaming in the first place so yeah I'm not too thrilled about this, even though you'd think, oh, it's another mobile storefront. That's great. Competition is great, right? I want to be wrong. I so, so want to be wrong. But man, so far, when it comes to expecting the worst out of mobile gaming, if anything, my expectations for predatory depression have been exceeded. I keep going on about how I expect worse and worse and worse and worse. And I'm proven to be correct. That's the worst part. And I really wish one of these days I'd be proven wrong. But that being said, while Microsoft is contemplating this, they are in fact laying off hundreds of staff members due to what they're calling structural adjustments. Uh-huh. Structural adjustments. But everything's fine. Everything's fine. There's there's nothing to worry about. Everything in the in the economical world is perfectly fine. This is fine. Right? It's it's all fine, right? But I mean at least uh at least Microsoft's not the only one. Equifax is also firing 
a number of employees. Uh, oddly enough, the specific number is exactly 24 for working a second job. I feel like there has to be something else to the story. Because if there isn't, there is going to be a lawsuit. Because I don't think you can legally do that. Unless their contract says explicitly they can't. I also wonder if that's just like a cover. It, it's very weird. It was such a... Like, I wouldn't have even covered this if it weren't for the fact the excuse was just like so... What? It's very, very bizarre. We'll just have to see how it goes. Speaking of bizarre... I want to talk about Razor. Oh, Razor. Razor, Razor, Razor. At Razor's RazorCon 2022, which is a real thing that exists apparently. By the way, who knew that RazorCon actually was a thing? Raise your hands. Anyone? Did anyone know that RazorCon was a real thing that really existed? No one? No one knew? Not a soul, huh? That's okay. I didn't either. I had no idea this was a real thing that existed. But apparently during this con, we talked about this, I think last week as well, about how Razer is going to be introducing a 5G cloud gaming device. Who wants this? I'll give them credit. At least it's 5G. At least it has the potential of actually being able to game wherever you go. Unlike the Logitech one, which is just flawed on its face. At least this way you could, you know, game wherever. Someone in chat says that it can't because it's millimeter wave only. That's not how that works. The antenna for millimeter wave can also go ahead and do the wider long range uh, read off um, Verizon's whatever the heck they call it. They're 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 not they're not Verizon. They're they're not uh, millimeter wave five G. No, because because all carriers now have have both a millimeter wave and a um and a wide reaching one. They both have it, and the and the antennas should be compatible with both especially since they're using a brand new chip the snapdragon g3x gen 1 is it just called wideband i thought it had a different name maybe it is just wideband it should be able to do both if it can't that is a huge oversight but there's a bigger oversight than that because the blasted thing starts at 400 dollars for the non-cellular version. Yeah, if you want the one that has the design flaw of being Wi-Fi only, you pay $400. Just get a Steam Deck. That's the same price that you can play your AAA games there, right freaking there. I have never seen a product kill itself so quickly. This thing isn't even out and it is already dead to the world. Holy cow. Like, there's no defending this. I mean, how do you defend this? Like, even I can at least say, okay, at least it's better than, than the Logitech cloud because it, ha it has a version that has a 5G capability. That's where the pros end. Cons. Cost as much as an actual handheld. <laughs> Actually, you know what? That's just the biggest con right there. 400 bucks. You can either get a Steam Deck or you can get a Nintendo Switch. Take your pick. Either way, you can actually play games without needing to pay a monthly bill and you can do it wherever whoa what a freaking concept an amazing display oh yes thank god thank god oh i believe it actually does have a incredible display i want to say it's a 1440p screen oh no 1080p screen 6.9 inch amoled at 144 hertz which you're gonna get compressed video because it's a cloud gaming device on a small screen i try not to swear on my own show but this is stupid. These handheld cloud gaming devices are stupid. 
you can try and pass this off as an intelligent decision if it was $200. I think 200 is like the most you can expect to pay for one of these for a, for a console that cannot play without some kind of cloud subscription service. I'm sorry, but that's just the truth. To try and tote its own internal specs is stupid because you're none of the rendering's happening there other than, you know, some crappy mobile games, which by the way, as we've gone over countless times, again and again and again and again and again, are terrible cash grabs that are barely games and more just devices to sell you ads or to have you go pay money for to feed a gambling addiction. You're either playing that or you're playing cloud games. Someone in chat actually brings up a good point. The Nintendo Switch does. I want to actually double check. Does it still start at two hundred dollars for the uh, for the Switch Mini? I want to double check and make sure that the or I'm sorry, the Switch Lite. That's what it's called. I want to double check to make sure the Switch Lite didn't like go up in price thanks to uh, inflation or anything. No, it's still two hundred dollars for a Switch Lite. I'm just saying, <laughs> this is a really hard sell. I don't know what Razer and Logitech are smoking that they think that cloud gaming is going to be the way to go. And also just a friendly reminder that the Nintendo Switch is actually available to purchase now instead of being on an eternal... Oh, wait, what did I say? I didn't say the Steam Deck. The Steam Deck is now actually available to purchase on a non-waiting list basis too. You know, just a friendly reminder. 400 bucks for the starting price of a console that can actually play games in person. Uh, but it's only 720p. It's only seven inches. What do you expect, dude? <laughs> Those kind of people are going to be the same people that also play 4K video on their mobile phone, aren't they? The people who don't think logically. I, you know what? I, it finally just came to me. These cloud gaming devices are for idiots. They're for the same idiots that think they need 4K on their phone. They are the same idiots that think they can go ahead and they absolutely need the highest refresh rate possible at the cost of any kind of battery life on their mobile device. They are the same kind of people that just buy into the sort of thing. And they're the same kind of people that also believe that your NFT of a monkey is going to go up in price forever. And there's no such thing as a bubble. It's all the same people. It all makes sense now. <sighs> but you know what though? At least Razer did introduce some new, new things. I will give them credit. They introduced new unique devices such as RGB key lights and a pop-up green screen so that you too can use RGB key lights to light up your blue screen, change its color and make the chroma key effect no longer work. Wait a minute. Who the heck would actually pair these two together? <laughs> Do I need to explain why this is stupid? The con All right, so the concept of RGB, uh, RGB spotlights for a streamer, it's interesting. Because you can go ahead and light up a basically white background and yourself with different hues. That can be used for various effects while you're streaming. That's not the worst idea in the world. However, if you're using a green screen or a blue screen in this case, you're telling your computer to replace a specific color with transparent. So this way, it so let's say I put a green screen behind me and tell it to cut out the color green. This means that the entire background behind me, which would be green, would become transparent and you'd only see me in the corner and the outline of my chair and my microphone basically and that's it it can be very useful for a number of number of different things but if you're using lights that are going to change its color constantly what's the point 
What the heck, Razor? <sighs> I think Razor needs to invest in some uh, some common sense. They are they are lacking quite a bit over there because this is this entire product launch out of Razor is completely and utterly stupid. And now, granted, there are actually some other devices that were announced, and all of them aren't terrible. I mean, aside from like the Razer Edge, but I mean, like we have headphones that are very pink and have kitty ears and also a variant of that with bunny ears. And then we made a black RGB version while we're at it. They, they made a watch for some reason that's analog, I guess. At least they didn't release NFTs. We can at least give them that, right? Right? They're not going to do that, right? In other news, the Pixel 7 will only support 64-bit apps, meaning that any legacy Android apps are going to be killed going forward for the Pixel line of phones, which honestly is not very surprising. I'm actually a little surprised this didn't happen sooner, to be absolutely perfectly honest we're gonna take a break here when we come back i want to talk about netflix and their plans as well as gaming ambitions we will be back Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. All right, so Netflix has announced that, in fact, its slowdown is over. It has, in fact, added 2.14 million customers in their third quarter, growing back from the decline they have been on. So, you know, all good news for Netflix But the thing is, is that Netflix needs to realize content is, in fact, king. And right now, Netflix, they're lacking content. And this is one of the biggest problems right now in the streaming wars. Most people right now are only subscribing to like one or two of these things for one or two specific shows. Like a lot of people went ahead and actually fired up Amazon Prime Video for the first time to either go ahead and watch two episodes of the new Lord of the Rings movie or uh, series and uh, bail out after it didn't live up to expectations or uh, just kept telling themselves that it's actually good and just watch the whole thing and then felt empty inside afterwards. It pretty much one of the two. And if you actually did enjoy it, no, you didn't. Actually, maybe you did. I don't know. But, t- but telling people they didn't in- enjoy-, enjoy something that does uh, bring up reactions, that does fuel my sarcasm. And anyway... What's going to matter for Netflix first for a continuation of growth is more content. That is going to be the key. Although re- real talk, all, all like teasing sarcasm aside, I will give the Lord of the Rings series credit where credit is due. As much as I didn't enjoy the series, it looked pretty good. It looked really good. The cinematography, the court, the, the, all, all, all the, the VFX work, all of it was pretty well done. I will give them at least that. I was hoping for more out of it, but you know what? It was pretty. 
I will give it that. But back to Netflix. Netflix needs to create more content. So what is their plan? Are we going to go ahead and push more and more interesting series? No. We're going to go ahead and uh, give them the, the one thing no one asked for. More gaming. Because that's what people want from Netflix. Cloud gaming. If we don't even want it from the actual cloud gaming devices, what the heck makes you think we want it from our movie subscriptions? Netflix is doubling down with 55 different games that are in development for its platform. Are you kidding me? <laughs> I just, they just don't get it. They just don't get it. Netflix, dude. The anticipation for cloud gaming devices is sinking rapidly. Stadia is gone. The only the only cloud gaming streaming service that actually seems to have a prayer right now is Xbox Cloud Gaming, and it's only because it's included with an existing already welcome Xbox service. That's it. That's literally it. The most successful cloud gaming service out there is bumming in free with another service dude dude <laughs> maybe they'll blow me away maybe maybe my expectations will be absolutely shattered and they will just break through the barrier to entry that is whatever the heck they're contemplating that um yeah i i i have very low hopes i really really do but of course it's not just that they want that they have 55 games in development and plan to launch it with it. Oh, no, 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 no. They plan to launch a separate cloud gaming service. That's not even going to be included. <laughs> you can't make this up. You just can't. Oh, my God. approach this with an open mind that doesn't know any better realistically if you're going to try and create a cloud gaming service the technology that's coming out now may in fact make it possible thanks to the av1 encoder for those who don't know current encoders like the nvec encoder and the h264 encoder encoder are very resource intensive and in fact are not really as clean as they could be. The AV1 encoder, which is currently available on the RTX 4000 series cards and on the Intel ARC cards, uses power efficient hardware-based encoders that get a very extremely high quality image out using very little bandwidth. And this actually could be the godsend that cloud gaming needs to actually achieve the dream that they tried, which is kind of funny that Stadia went ahead and decided to kick the bucket mere months before AV encoder starts launching widespread. So maybe using this technology, maybe using this encoder, maybe it's possible this cloud streaming service might be the one to go ahead and uh, really blow us away and actually make the cloud gaming 
dream actually happen assuming they can get the latency as low as they'd like because there's gonna be nothing more infuriating than me hitting a button and the character responding almost a full second later that's unacceptable heck a lot of people the way they play games having a character respond even one tenth of a second later after you hit the button is unacceptable in certain games that is a huge curb to get over so we'll have to see how it goes i'm willing to keep an open mind all right i'm willing to look at this with an open mind but my expectations are extremely low my expectations are lower for this cloud gaming service than my expectations that this empty energy drink can is going to spontaneously produce more energy drink to keep me going through this podcast and the rest of the stream i got a feeling it's just not going to happen it's not going to spontaneously produce more more wake-up juice however i do have some great expectations for perfect dark which has now been decompiled for the pc look i know a lot of you out there are really looking forward to goldeneye on the switch having multiplayer online support look goldeneye is fantastic don't get me wrong there is nothing wrong with probably a ton of people's very first first person shooter goldeneye is a fantastic time and man if it weren't for the fact i gotta gotta get over the fact that that thing chugged on the n64 and only played at like 20 frames per second it is a fantastic game and i would love to play it even to this day but perfect dark on the other hand Ooh, you take all the goodness that made um, GoldenEye great and just crank it to 11. And that's Perfect Dark. That, what once I got my hands on Perfect Dark, that was my N64 per- first-person shooter of choice. By far, without a doubt. Not to say that GoldenEye was terrible. Far from it. Just one of the games is a solid 8.5 out of, out of 10. And the other is a 9.5 out of 10. So to hear that that Perfect Dark has been decompiled for the PC, which can lead to optimal running ports on the PC as well as mods for Perfect Dark on the PC. You have my full and undivided attention, PC modding community. And by that, I mean, gimme, 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 gimme now, gimme now. This is gonna be very, very interesting. It's also gonna be very interesting to uh, see uh, how quickly uh, Rare and Microsoft want to uh, try and clamp down on this. I'm really hoping they don't, but um, I still got to prepare my myself and my eager, eager mind to say that, you know, there is a decent chance that uh, what could be a very, very great nostalgic thing may in fact have a hammer taken to it legally. Rockstar, though, is in the news for good news. You see, Stadia, of course, is being killed. And of course, one of the biggest problems with cloud gaming, and it's been one of the the complaints I have, is the fact that if the service ever goes away, you lose all your progress. So a fan with nearly 6,000 hours of Red Dead Redemption 2 time on Stadia is uh, pretty SOL, but there is hope for this man who has invested 6,000 hours in a Red Dead 2 or Red Dead Redemption 2 character. He has desperately called out to Rockstar to say, please, I'm begging you. I have put in so much work on this character. Please, I'll do anything to go ahead 
and get this character transferred. Rockstar has stepped in to begin moving his character to another platform. The person is going to get their choice of whether it is whether progress is sent to PC, Xbox One, or the PS4. I personally would think he'd want to go PS4. I don't know, though. And I'd just say, you know what? Considering that Google is uh, being very Google about the way they're handling the shutdown of Stadia, although they are giving out full refunds, so I mean there is that. Rockstar going in and doing this sort of thing, I know they're not going to do it for everyone. Obviously, they're not. But, you know, for, for an, making an exception for a guy who's put in this much time into the game, you know, bravo. Good on you, Rockstar. This doesn't sound like clapping at all on the microphone, does it? I think it actually does a little bit. So, bravo. Good job, Rockstar. You did good. You did good. Now, for something completely different. Philips is entering the ultra-wide OLED monitor monitor game with the new Evnia line, which uh, is a real thing that exists. This is going to be an HDR 1400 certified monitor, mini LED backlit, and 1,152 dimming zones, and all this other stuff is going to be available in 42-inch OLED, 34-inch OLED, and a 27-inch VA panel, and of course, a curved display with a 175 refresh rate. Now, here's what I will say. It is very difficult to show... It's very difficult to explain how good these new monitors look. It is very difficult to show how these monitors look through like a TV or whatnot. You really have to see them in person. I got a chance while I was out getting some repair tools for a laptop I'm working on to actually see one of these OLED Samsung curve monitors. You know, the one that's like stupid huge and can actually go vertical for no adequately explored reason. I got to see that in person. Wow, they do look really really good like and and i know trying to describe it how good the colors look how the difference between a true black versus a true white on a screen like that how that makes all the difference in the world rather than just like a really dark dark gray that's not quite black but really close like you get on most screens it's very difficult to explain all that but i will say these are expensive I would only invest in something like this if I had that kind of extendable cash lying around. And considering the fact that these suckers can go from anywhere between $550 all the way up to $2,000. $550, by the way, is for the one that isn't an OLED. So you don't get that true, true blackness to it. The OLED ones start at $1,800. It is a pretty hard sell. I'm not going to lie. You know, if you really, really want to go ahead and do it, there's more players in the game. For reasons that, um, for just for reasons. That's all I can say for that. Samsung is looking at their future. They're looking to see what is going to be the next wearable device. They have earbuds that look like jelly beans. They have a watch that, uh, annoys me sometimes. They have a phone. They have a folding phone. They have a whole lot of other devices. What is going to be the next wearable device that they're going to make? Well, isn't it obvious? Because you see, Samsung likes their customers they really like their customers so obviously they want to put a ring on it yes they're going to be making a smart ring why i don't know i guess to get more health information that uh the watch can't get what's the battery life going to be i don't know probably bad how's it going to charge i don't know probably wireless 
How's it gonna look? I don't know. Like a metal band, probably. Is it gonna be comfortable? I don't know. Probably not. I don't know. The whole smart rings is, um, I don't see it going very far. I'll phrase it that way. But who knows? Maybe, just maybe, I'll be proven wrong. But the aura ring, O-U-R-A, oh no, that's the one they're challenging. It's already a smart ring that's out there. We don't know what the name of the Samsung ring is going to be. Why is there already a smart ring? Who did this? Why? Someone in chat says, I see it working better for those who don't like watches. I guess. But at the same time, like I'm looking at the unit they're showing here, which I assume is the aura ring. And because a lot of the sentences are protruding out, I see this working worse. Cause not like a smooth rather, uh, metal band that's going to be around one finger. It's going to have protrusion sticking out. And I think that is going to be more obnoxious. Someone in chat says it's going to be more discreet. I don't know. Cause the Samsung watches aren't already like in your face. It's not like the, um, it's not like the, um, their early versions of their gear watches that had like a huge two inch screen and curved around half of the wrist which uh, the super tech nerd in me still kind of wants because it ran full-blown Android and it was stupid. It was literally a small Android phone on your wrist. It was dumb. Such a dumb watch and I want it. But I'm also a colossal nerd. But like the actual Samsung watches, like you wouldn't know with the right watch face that it was a smart watch. It is just a round watch with a, with a display on it. That's it. The Apple Watch kind of stands out in its own in its own sort of way. Other smartwatches might stand stand out a bit more. Someone in chat says the ring would be accepted in scenarios where the smartwatch could not would not be. Maybe. Maybe. Here's what I will say. The battery life is gonna be important. Because if that ring only has two hours of battery life, what's the point? That was the biggest point of entry for the smartwatch. You had to get over 24 hours of battery life. Had to, had to, had to. If you didn't, you were basically dead in the water. It had no hope of going anywhere. This ring is going to be the same thing. If it gets a day, it'll be fine. And actually on the whole thing of like scenarios where it's accepted where a smartwatch wouldn't, a lot of people do not like the concept of wearing their watch when they sleep, but wearing their ring when they sleep, that is more acceptable. And that could be, that could help in, um, in trying to track your sleep better that way too. So you kind of have a point. I'm telling you that battery life. It is going to live or die based on that battery life and its price. Because if it's going to be $800, then I mean it's dead. <laughs> Straight up. No one's going to buy a smart smart ring for as much as they can get a phone for. Someone in chat says the ring needs to be adjustable too. I don't think it's going to be. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be. Yeah, it's gonna, they're going to make sure they got ones of rings. Oh, man. I wish them luck. We'll, we'll see how it goes. All right. Let's talk about the Apple updates. So there was reports early on about new iPads coming. All right. We had new iPads on the way and a new iPad Pro. Well, I'm not even kidding. The day after the report came out, Apple just launched it just straight up. They just launched pretty much every device that was teased. I kid you not. We have a new Apple TV 4K that is going to be coming out with an updated processor. <clears throat> They'll be starting at $129, including remote. 
that's using an upgraded processor they'll be available starting november 4th there is a new ipad pro using the new m2 processor even though no ipad app could utilize the m1 fully now you can be even more future proof than you were before but that's pretty much it it just has the m2 prices stay the same and a completely redesigned entry-level ipad that went up in price new ipads baseline entry that use the same the same flat backs that uh the ipad air and ipad pros use single camera both front and back fingerprint reader built into the power button bezel less but thick bezels for being bezel less starting at 449 which means that they cost now 120 dollars more than their previous outdated counterparts someone in chat asked how much is the keyboard stand uh probably some huge number that's gonna make me sad i'm just gonna be perfectly honest Oof. Oof. <laughs> the uh keyboard folio costs 250 dollars for the baseline ipad Oof. Oof. wait a minute oh no 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 okay the magic keyboard that the magic keyboard stand that costs 300 dollars is compatible with the ipad air how much actually is the ipad air there's not a whole lot of difference between oh the ipad air starts at 600 dollars. hold on here how much of a spec difference is there between the normal ipad and the ipad air what the heck are you getting with the new 10th gen ipad air all right, all right so the regular ipad 10th generation has an a14 bionic chip the ipad air is rocking a oh an m1 okay i need to get to the tech specs so we can compare them side by side all right physically the dimensions appear to be exactly the same they both have nano sim trays they both have it appears to be the exact same cameras and everything both are 10.9 inches the dis- the resolution is exactly the same um the air does have a wide color display whereas the regular ipad does not uh brightness they are about the same there's an anti-reflective coating on the ipad air where there isn't on the ipad so ipad air has a better screen the ipad air does not the ipad air does have the m1 chip whereas the ipad is only using the a14 bionic which i think is the last gen mobile processor for iphone the rear-facing camera appears to be exactly the same except that the ipad air apparently has wide color capture whatever that means uh camera recording appears to be exactly the same across the board except that the regular ipad can do 720p recording at 60 frames per second whereas for whatever reason the ipad air cannot do 60 frames per second 720p recording but can do 60 frames per second 1080p recording i think that's just a typo that seems like a very strange omission so that's that front facing camera appears to be exactly the same except there's a there's a wide color capture for the air and not for the regular um the ipad air has stereo speakers whereas the ipad has landscape stereo speakers i don't know how much of a difference that is the ipad air only has bluetooth 5.0 the ipad has five has 5.2 bluetooth um i think that's about it oh there is one very 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 important difference between the two and i don't think it's actually mentioned here 
in their specs, but it is one that um there is one difference between these two. The iPad Air handles both Gen 1 and Gen 2 Apple Pencils. The iPad Normal only handles the first gen Apple Pencils. You know, the one with the lightning port that plugs into the iPad to charge. It makes you look like a really stupid sign and you're going to break that port like nobody's business doing it that way. Except there's a problem. The iPad is USB-C. So if you get a Gen 1 Apple Pencil for the iPad, you have to get a dongle to convert USB-C to lightning to charge your pencil. As opposed to the iPad Air, which will just charge the pencil by just sticking to it magnetically. Why even give it pencil support at that point? Like, I don't get it. It's like... Either give it support or don't. What's this? This is like the weirdest, most obnoxious half measure ever. I'm I'm trying to think of like a car equivalent for this, but I really can't. It's very, very baffling. But it is what Apple has done for us for better or for worse. Uh, By the way, before anyone asks, even though someone probably already did ask, no, it does not have a headphone jack. Yes. It should. It's a giant tablet. Yes, it is not thin enough to be more narrow than a headphone jack. No, there isn't a headphone jack. I don't know why there isn't. I'm not going to answer why they don't. Deal with it. Apple hates you. Now that we got that out of the way, let's talk about a flying car. That might go down as a record as the biggest non sequitur ever. The car company Aleph is showing off a flying car and hoping to have it start selling in 2025. I mean, we've been wondering for the longest time, you know, Jetsons promised us a flying car. And now here it is, a flying car. I have no faith in this thing actually being able to function. Now, they just showed off a prototype. They did not actually show this thing working in any sort of capacity at all. But... It is the first time we have heard flying car in a long, long time, and it not just being some kind of giant quadcopter drone that someone showed off at CES that one time. And now, my friends, I bring you to the last bird, the last story of the day, the weirdest story of the week, and a sign that Meta is one step closer to just simply conquering the entire blasted world, whether we like it or not. Meta has an AI... That is the first speech translation system for unwritten languages. Now, on one hand, the concept of an AI studying an unknown language, picking up on various little nuances and begin to translate it into a way that will be understandable to everyone else is very interesting and is in fact probably one of the first real steps we've had to a universal translator from say like a Star Trek sci-fi sort of scenario than we've been otherwise. The problem here is that it's being written by a, by a lizard person. So quite frankly, I really, really don't feel like having to go ahead and learn every single language in the tongue of our draconian lizard people that are controlling the planet from the sewers. Someone in chat is pointing out that unknown does not equal unwritten, but that is the goal. The goal of this AI is to translate unknown languages. 
Currently, it is successfully doing unwritten languages, only doing based on audio or visual. Its goal is to be able to translate unknown languages, which means, quite possibly, Meta will finally be able to understand what on earth Zuckerberg is actually trying to say. Alleluia. We are one step to understanding the alien that is Zuckerberg. Folks, that is going to do it for this episode of Eagle Eyes on Tech. Thank you so much for listening, and I do encourage you to check out the daily podcast, The Early Bird Briefing, which airs every every Monday through Friday at 2 a.m. But of course, the whole goal of it is to hear it when you wake up. And also check out my Twitch page, twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon, or check out any of the other areas that I'm on, eaglefalcon.carrd.co. Take care, and I hope you have a great day. Now it's taken every single part of my body to avoid trying to say, I cannot wait to just speak English to this AI bot and have it just absolutely break trying to translate my odd mannerisms in the, in the way I say things and just have it degrade further and further into being absolute gibberish. That is probably the fun, the most fun thing with AI. Like, there's a lot of great things AI can do, especially in the visual effects realm. But going ahead and pushing an AI so far, it just starts doing very, very strange things, like pu- putting, um, well, I mean, you've probably seen some of the crazy art that AI's been doing lately. Oh, man. They're letting real artists know they are not obsolete yet. Not by a long shot. <laughs>